us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. If anybody had told me I would be waiting in a pumpkin patch on Halloween night, they would have said I was crazy. But just think, Sally, when the great pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch, we'll be here to see him. What's that? What's that? I hear it! The great pumpkin! There he is! There he is! It's the great pumpkin! He's rising out of the pumpkin patch! Ah! happened? Did I faint? Did he leave us any toys? I was robbed! I spent the whole night waiting for the great pumpkin when I could have been out for tricks or treats! Halloween is over and I missed it! You blockhead! What a fool I was! I could have candies and apples and gum and cookies and monies and all kinds of things, but no! I had to listen to you! What a fool I Treats only come once a year. And I missed it by sitting in a pumpkin patch with a blockhead. You owe me restitution. <laughs> that sound like a woman. I was trying to ratchet it up. A little bit of horror here for the last comic shop. Every single week, we welcome people into the shop and help them find their way underneath the comic book tent and sometimes give them candy corn. Our treats often come in the form of comic books that uh, we pick and read and rate and then recommend other comic books. Have you ever heard of that uh, tradition some comic book uh, collectors do where they put out like, I don't know, like dollar books outside for the kids instead of candy? I thought it was a neat idea. In any case, I'm also a neat idea. I'm the host of the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and my wonderful brother, Ethan Larson. And thank you so much, Ethan, for helping me out with that very dramatic retelling of It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, which is one of my favorite uh, Halloween treats. Uh, And speaking of treats, on today's program, we've got a wonderful treat for all of our listeners before we get to this week's book, Marvel Zombies 3 by Fred Van Lente and Kev Walker. It is another one of our tournaments. Oh, yes. Uh, We are doing a trick or treat bracket. So there are some treats in there, but unfortunately there are some tricks because we took a poll here internally at the last comic shop and determined what was our favorite candy and what was our not-so-favorite candy. The one stuff that we were looking forward to in the bag and the stuff we shove off to our sibling that doesn't know any better. We have uh, 16 of the greatest snacks, uh, whether they're infamous or famous. Put it in this bracket, and we're going to get you to a final four, which we're then going to put out on our Twitter. Yes, we're still calling it that. We refuse to call it X. And you can vote as to which one... Of the final four is your favorite. I call it X. X gonna give it to you. <laughs> They're gonna give you something. They're gonna give yeah. you polls. That's <laughs> true. 
They're still the only place that does pulls, so until somebody gets their act together. They'll give you anti-Semitism, too. Oh, yeah. 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 There's a lot of stuff, too. So we have 16. We've got ones through eights. I will say I'm under protest. You would not allow me the wide array of Reese's peanut butter cup products. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, yes, I think you can just lump them all together into no, no, the one no. They've been giant Reese's peanut butter cup bag. I, I was curious about the frozen Reese's peanut butter cups. Is that oh. just so you could put them in the freezer and that's yeah, it? Yeah, like- those are the best. <laughs> but I'm telling you, the scientists down at Reese's have really been putting the legwork in. They're adding potato chips. They're adding pretzels. They're adding even smaller Reese's to the Reese's cups. There's so much going on there. I feel like that could be a bracket unto itself. Oh. Well, <laughs> speaking of Reese's peanut butter cups, we might as well start off with a number one. On our tournament of candies is the aforementioned Reese's peanut butter cup. And it's going up against the number eight pick of Good in Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> so that gross licorice based candy that looks like some sort of pill that your grandpa takes. <laughs> That's what all the kids want. Looks like medicine tastes like ass. <laughs> Well, I was going to ask, because that's that's an important part of whether or not Good and Plenty would even have a snowball's chance in hell of beating Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, is whether or not you like black licorice. I don't mind the taste of black licorice now, but mostly because of Sam <sighs> Black licorice as a candy? No. Yeah, I'm with the only black licorice I'll eat or drink is Jaeger, so... <laughs> That's a that's a solid no for me. Uh, so I don't think Good and Plenty is going to knock off the Reese's Cup, especially with Chad's impassioned speech. When is a Reese's Cup bad? They're all <laughs> wonderful. You get little bite-sized ones. You can get sugar-free ones. Big cups. You get bigger cups. You get biggest cups. You can put crunchy peanut butter in. You can put creamy peanut butter in. You can put things that aren't even peanut butter in. It's <laughs> all what? encompassing. You get like, white chocolate. You get peanut butter, peanut butter. You got yeah. chocolate, chocolate. You get peanut butter, chocolate. You get extra peanut butter, chocolate. There's some candies out there that go out and they stretch themselves too thin. Not Reese's. They stretched themselves too thin and then came out the other side. All right. So we're moving on to the number one on the other side of the bracket, uh, a powerhouse of the Skittle. Uh, And it's going out against another bite-sized candy in the infamous candy corn. So we've got the Skittle versus the candy corn. J.A., what is your pick, sir? Well, one tastes like a rainbow. The other one tastes like cardboard. I got to go with the Skittles. (laughs) Ethan? There's a famous bit of a comedian that says that keep recycling the candy corn every single year like they they just take it all and throw it in a box and then put it out the next year i think there's some truth in that rumor um so yeah skittles all the way even though i can't eat skittles because i choke on them all the time so. <laughs> there you go i disagree with jay i think they taste like wax the candy <laughs> corns do which is why they last so long which makes them a far superior candy to skittles which i also can't eat because they give me headaches so I'm going candy corn. Oh, well, I think we've got our first coin toss of this round because I'm also going candy corn because nothing is more iconic at Halloween than that horrible tasting candy corn. I could live without a Skittle. I don't think I could live without candy corn being in existence. So it is going to a coin toss. J.A., call it in the air. 
Heads. It is heads. The Skittle is moving on, given that was J.A.'s pick. So moving down to the number two versus seven matchup, we've got another fruit-based candy that's fairly famous uh, with the Starburst versus a J.A.'s pick coming in at seven with Fun Dip, also known as Lickum Sticks. We'll throw Pixie Sticks in there, too. It's basically straight sugar that comes in some sort of bag or other paper container. So Right, but don't sell that chalk stick short. <laughs> yes. So quick little story about Pixie Sticks and Fun Dip and all that. I remember back in eighth grade, there was somebody that was selling Pixie Stick. It was like a drug deal because like they were so popular they had to like ban them at our school. But they were like some people were trying to deal them under the table, like, oh, you got my fix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come here, come here, come here. And they would open up the backpack and there would be like, you got him. <laughs> what do you want? And you'd be like flopping quarters all over yourself. So if that can ruin a community of middle schoolers, then I want no part of Pixie Sticks, my friend. I'm going Starburst all the way. Plus, I love Starburst. I got to go with my pick. I got to go with the uh, the fun dip because you get the chalky stick. You get the dip that's sort of the uh, childhood equivalent of cocaine. I mean, we grew up at a time where we had uh, the candy cigarettes. So this is like the candy Coke, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I've never equated the lick of sticks or whatever to candy cocaine. But uh, I kind of like it. So I'm going to go with that one. You never lived until you saw a seventh grader snort a pixie stick. <laughs> oh my goodness. I enjoy Starburst as well. So again, it's going to be another coin flip. We're going to have Chad call it in the air this time. I'll say tails. Heads. Aww. The Starburst is moving on. The star Tails occasionally fails. Moving over to the next bracket, we've got the two seven matchup of Twix. Those two wonderful cookie slash caramel chocolate bars. Except at Halloween, you just get the one. <laughs> That's true. And it is going up against the number seven, which is called Kids Mix. That's right. Kids Mix is a strange concoction of a variety of different candies, such as Fireballs, Tootsie Rolls, Lemonheads, Smarties, Blow Pops, Charleston Chews, Dum Dums. Uh, they all come in this bag, and you go to somebody's house, and they say, here's the Kids Mix. You can pick, like, three pieces. I mean, there's two types of Twix, right? There's the normal, and then there's the yellow one. What's the yellow one? The peanut butter Twix? Well, that's a peanut butter. That was a red one. I don't know. Anyways, as much as I want to go Twix, I think Kids Mix is only good if you get there when it's just been opened. You don't <laughs> want to pick over Kids Mix because then you're only stuck with the crap. <laughs> Not just the worst candy, but the ones that everybody else has touched and put back. Yes, exactly. So with that caveat in mind, I'm going to go Kids Mix because you get a choice. You get the Smarty. You get the Fireball. I guess if you're thinking about Halloween candy, you traditionally get the kids mix, right? If you said dum-dums are actually in there, that's my kid's favorite treat. So yeah. On Halloween? We're not talking like a trip to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's Chad, right. do you think the kids mix is a dum-dum or are you going with... I don't want to denigrate the kids mix until people put all their grimy, grimy hands in it and all their <laughs> snot-laced everything else. Give me those safe-to-eat individually wrapped Twixes any day. Oh, all right. I'm going to do with the kids mix just simply because 
Again, variety of choice. Even though a lot of the candies are terrible, once in a while you really do get some good candies in there. A blow Pop, Charleston Chew, I would take those in a heartbeat. So Kids Mix is moving on, a dark horse at number seven. All right, we're going up to the 3-6 uh, matchup of M&M's versus Chad's pick of the Rice Krispie Treat. <laughs> yes, that's right. M&M's in their individual fun bags versus what usually is like at a church bake sale. <laughs> yes. does, does the Rice Krispie Treat come with a side of hoagie? <laughs> Listen, after all that chocolate, all those sweets, it's nice to have something with a little bit of sustenance to it. That nice brick of marshmallow <laughs> and crisp rice cereal. So, so here's my final vote. I, I, every time I open a kid's bag of M&M's, I eat the first three or four, and then I immediately regret what I, my decision. Like I, I, I'm stuck with the rest of the bag. I don't really want to eat it, so I kind of force myself to eat it. Even the peanut ones, I'm like, eh, it's, it's fine. The pretzels ones, fine. They just get tiring after a while. But Rice Krispies are universally awful. So <laughs> I, want to, I want to abstain from this round. That's what I want to do. I feel like if you were like the last person on Earth and the zombie apocalypse happened and you needed to eat something, you could probably find a Rice Krispie treat that's been sitting around for 10 years and it'd still be edible. That's right. It's still good. You know why? Because it's always good. But M&M's would melt. Puck, they don't melt in your mouth, not in your hand. That's bogus. Here in the Philippines, they melt in your hand. <laughs> I'm not buying into that corporate marketing schmelts. I'm going with the Rice Krispie Treat. Church loving any day of the week. They're good elves. They deserve some love. Been doing the pixie sticks. Let me give you something better. <laughs> All right, so going over to the other side, we've got the 3-6 matchup of Sour Patch Kids versus the Milky Way Bar. And there was a bunch of candy bars that could have made this list, but I pulled people from work in their top threes, just kept on listing Milky Ways. So there evidently is something to be said for Milky Ways. Yeah, Milky Way can f*** right off. <laughs> Strong words. I want to snicker minus the good. <laughs> I will say Milky Way is like the Jay Leno to the Sour Patch Kids Conan O'Brien. Everybody kind of likes the Milky Way, but nobody really loves the Milky Way. Like you get a Milky Way like, yeah, OK, whatever. But uh, the Sour Patch Kid, that's something weird. It's something out there. It's something special. So I like to give references that are 15, 20 years old so the kids will get into it. <laughs> I'm going to go Sour Patch Conans. All right, J.A.? The problem with the Milky Way is branding. The Milky Way bar in the U.S. is sold as the Mars bar globally, and the global Milky Way is sold as the Three Musketeers in the U.S. <laughs> so I'm not voting for a bar that can't even understand what the heck its name is in the U.S. versus globally. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a clean sweep. Because honestly, I would have put Sour Patch Kids at number one. They are my favorite candies of all time. At Halloween, you get all this sweet stuff. And then you get the Sour Patch Kid and you're like, oh, that's a pucker. That's, that's something different. I like that. <laughs> but they are the dirt worst for you. <laughs> it's like leading at the Long John Silvers. You might as well. 
<laughs> decide on these bad choices right away with Sour Patch Kids. It's like the Mountain Dew of candies. All right, so now we've got the four or five, which are usually the most difficult matchups of all of these brackets. Number four on the one side is the Snickers bar, which Ethan just mentioned, uh, versus the Sweet Tarts, two classic candies at the Halloween season. So yeah, we'll start off with uh, J.A. Yeah, the Snickers bar all day long. It's up there with the Mr. Good bar. You're not the only person in the world that loves those things. It's like one step above the special dark. For me, I'm surprised Snickers isn't a number one. I think that's the quintessential candy bar. Uh, You know, once you reach a certain age, you really start to appreciate the fine nuances of caramel and nougat and nuts all smashed together. Snickers for the win. Yeah, I would literally get thrown out of my house if I voted for anything but Snickers. So, because that's my, my wife's number one favorite candy of all time. So... Got to go vote for my boy Snickers. That's right. Now, we'll make it a clean sweep. I, I didn't think Sweet Tarts really had a chance, but you never know. On the other side, we've got another classic candy bar, not from the Mars Company, but from Hershey. It is the Kit Kat. Break me off a piece of that number four with the Kit Kat bar. And it's going up against another of Hershey's wonderful sugary concoctions in the Twizzler. J.A., given your roots in the Hershey area, which one of these Hershey candies is coming out on top? Well, the Kit Kat. Done. Definitive. (laughs) But I think the only thing, when you go to Hershey Park, there's height measurements for the rides, and it's all based on a candy bar. So if, like, you're a Hershey's or you're a Kiss, I think you can go on all the kitty rides. And then if you're a Twizzler, I think that means you can go on the Super Duper Looper. So I think that's the only time that Twizzler is above the other candies is is as a height requirement at Hershey Park. <laughs> the twi- the Twizzlers that you get at Halloween are not the real Twizzlers. Like the Twizzlers that you usually get are like strawberry flavored, and they usually the bite sized one are like cherry flavored, and so those can go to hell. First of all, <laughs> second of all, like if you open a big bag of Twizzlers strawberry. And you take like three or four out, then you immediately regret that you opened the bag because it just sits there for months on end. And then you, you can't find something to store them all in because if they're an obnoxiously big size. And so you have to get out the big Tupperware thing, dress with all that. So I have to go with Kit Kat. Plus, we're getting into my favorite topic, which is candy that you can eat while you drink coffee in the morning after you've had your bagel oh like it's a biscotti yes exactly that's actually they actually sold it on the radio when um back a couple of years ago buy kit kats with your morning coffee and okay this is a new market that kit kat's trying to get into so i appreciate you i see i see you kit kat (laughs) there you go well let me start off by saying when i was a kid there was nothing finer then uh, anytime you get Twizzlers out of that big old tub. Oh, yeah. Like you have a couple buddies and you get Twizzlers and then you just run around smacking each other. (laughs) But now that I'm older and I appreciate things like sitting on benches or uh, (laughs) biscotti, uh, I'm going to go Kit Kat. I I don't know what happened. I don't know when it happened, but uh, I've reached the age where I enjoy getting a break and breaking off a piece of that Kit Kat bar in a way that I didn't as a youth. So uh, moving on to round two. Now, this is where we start separating the uh, parts of your Halloween bucket that you liked versus like the stuff you're going to keep for some later time. We're going to start off with the uh, kids mix 
versus the Rice Krispie Treats. That's right. Are you going for a handful of some rando candies? Or... It's a nice thing of paste. It's cereal. It's cereal. <laughs> you might as well put ramen on this list. Listen, uh, if whatever. you give my kids ramen, that's going to be their favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ethan, you're picking kids mix, Rice Krispie yeah. Treats. <laughs> Can both loose. <laughs> You gotta pick one! Kids mix, because there's an option. <laughs> J.A. Kids mix. Chad, you still on your hill? With I'm your... holding strong with the right... I'm telling you, the change of pace on Halloween, you don't appreciate it at the time, but after you've gorged your face on so many chocolate bars and everything else, it's nice to have something. It's like, oh, this is different. Now, this now, has now are we are we talking kind of like sustenance. homemade rice krispie treats? Or are we talking the I'm thinking the corporate one that comes in the little foil. Oh, okay. I was you know, thinking that... like, you know, something that your mom baked and it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> threw at you in the front. <laughs> kids mix is moving on. Because like to Chad's point, there's a lot of things you can get here. Lemon heads. Those are delicious. So, kids mix, moving on to the finals. Then we've got Starburst versus Sour Patch Kids. A 2-3. No contest. Sour Patch Kids. I have a love-hate relationship with Sour Patch Kids. They're like a... I'm like a jilted lover with them. I, I want to try to leave them off, but I, they keep coming back in my bed, and I have to eat them and get cavities, and I like them so much. I have an addiction to Sour Patch Kids, and I'm not afraid to admit it, damn it. <laughs> right. Uh, J.A.? Yeah, Sour Patch Kids. Oh, Starburst shouldn't have even gone through. They got lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Sour Patch Kids over Starburst because you know what the bad thing about Starburst is? It takes you time to actually unwrap Mm. them and still give you some really bad flavors like orange. I hate orange Starbursts. Oh, that's awful. Like lemon and cherry. Those are like the best flavors. Sour Patch, it's the white trash. (laughs) Sell them in a big bucket at uh, Walmart. Can't beat them. Skittles versus the Kit Kat. It's a one versus a four. Chad. This is like comparing a fine, mature wine with a pile of shit. <laughs> Skittles <are> shit. <laughs> so you're not a fan of the Mad Dog 2020? No. <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, whatever's not Skittles because they're shit. <laughs> <laughs> is anybody going to disagree with that argument? <laughs> nope. Kit Kat for the win. Kit Kat yeah, for the Skittles win. are the Boone's Farm of uh, <laughs> All right. So finally we get to, I think, the hardest matchup of the entire... It might as well be a one versus a one. The Reese's Peanut Butter Cup versus the Snickers. Who is going on to the final four? Ethan. Well, my choice has to be for dunkability now because, I mean, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, they fall apart if you dunk them in coffee, but Snickers stand up to the test of the coffee, so I'm going to go Snickers. How the hell do you live? But I, would, I would live on the porch. I told you. I'm at my house. I don't know Snickers. <laughs> All Snickers. right. All right. Chad, you stick sticking firm with your love of Reese's peanut butters? Yeah, I'm just imagining Snicker coffee. I've never done Snickers in coffee. That's blowing my mind. But no, there is a, a complexity to the Snickers, which is delightful. I don't want to denigrate it. But at the same time, there's a simplicity and an elegance in the Reese's. Reese's Cups for the win. All right, J.A. 
So here in the Philippines, you have to pretty much refrigerate all your chocolate or it just melts. The problem with the Snickers is that you have to then take it out and leave it for a little bit before you can eat it or else it's too hard and it hurts your teeth. Mm. The Reese's Peanut Butter Cup is perfect right out of the fridge every time. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Yeah, no, I they, they, they put peanut butter and chocolate together and smushed them. I will say this, too. Usually when you're out at Halloween, you get the fun size Snickers, which is just bullshit. It's too small. <laughs> you could put three of those together and it would equal one Snickers bar versus the uh, peanut butter cup, which usually you get a full size one of the two peanut butter cups you usually get. So I think that's a better deal. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup for the win. Yeah, that's a good point. You're at least getting one regulation-sized cup. They're not messing with your mind like the Snickers people do with their fun size and their mini size. and All All right, so here, that was the end of our tournament. You can go out on Twitter uh, this week, and you can vote for either the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, the Sour Patch Kid, the Kit Kat, or Kids Mix as our daughter. I'm thinking Kids Mix is coming in at lane fourth. We should have stayed strong with the Rice Krispies. Oh, lordy. All right, well, we're back with more of the last comic show later after these commercial breaks. We actually have comics to talk about. We're going to be talking about one of my favorites, and that is Marvel Zombies 3. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, Head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. Hello, friends. Do you like the 80s and Transformers? We are the Autopod Decepticast, and we started our podcast doing a minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 classic animated feature, Transformers the Movie. We've since moved on to an episode-by-episode review of the G1 series and just started Season 3. We have over 180 episodes, so if you're just discovering our show, there's plenty of gold to stuff into your ears. And it is very funny and fantastic. I'm not biased... We are on every podcast aggregator you could possibly stomach. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and our web presence is autopoddecepticast.com. We are at apoddecast on Twitter and all of the things. Autopod Decepticast, friends, for all your animated Transformer needs. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Pile Review. Yes, that's time of every single show where we read a comic book, and then we talk about it. And all this month, we've been talking about spooky and horror-related comic books. And this week, it's my pick. That's right. I've been wanting to do this book on this particular show for about three years. It's been crazy that I haven't been able to talk about this book. I've been champing, champing at the bit to talk about Marvel Zombies 3. Because I've got to say... All of my comics, just only pick like 10, take with me to a desert island. This would be among the 10, because I love this book so very much. It's got Machine Man, it's got all kinds of stuff, but it's not about me just gushing. 
It's about other people that I made read it this week. And what did they think of this? But we're going to start off with J.A. Scott with who did this. And this isn't the first book in this Marvel Zombies series, right? No, no. This is the third book, hence Marvel Zombies 3. There was a Marvel Zombies and then a Marvel Zombies 2. Those books were written by Robert Kirkman with Tron Phillips on art and June Chung doing colors. This book was written by Fred Van Lenty with Kev Walker on art and colors by Jean-Francois Bouleau. And this and is not actually, to be confused with the manga versions of Marvel Zombies and Marvel Zombies 2, which uh, were written by Jim Zub, I want to say, and drawn by other folks. Oh, okay. Or the Battle World Marvel Zombies, uh, where let's just say Marvel's gone back to this well quite a few times. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and, and after Marvel Zombies 3, Fred Van Lenty followed that up with Marvel Zombies 4 and Marvel Zombies 5. So there are five sort of mainline marvel zombies books and then there's a bunch of other stuff they did there's like a christmas special there's like a halloween special there's they did a lot of marvel zombie stuff they keep going back to the well with marvel zombies probably around halloween every year there you go they crossed over with the ash and army of darkness at one point oh wow this is actually the first part of like kind of a trilogy of books that fred van lenty put together over the course of marvel zombies three four and five but I'm going to say it point blank that you don't have to read those other ones if you don't want to. You can just read Marvel Zombies 3 because it's everything you ever want to read in a Marvel Zombies book. Ha! Already laying it on thick right from the start. Ethan, why don't you give us the 10 cent synopsis? What happened in Marvel Zombies 3? Well, there's another dimension that exists outside of the Marvel Universe um, that's perpendicular is what they described it as being um where they're zombies and they're eating a bunch of superheroes and supervillains because it's an easier conduit to spread their virus and the zombie version is trying to get to the mar- the regular marvel universe and dr morbius trying to develop a serum to basically inoculate all the superheroes that exist in the regular marvel universe just in case the zombie universe crosses over and gets them what would they need is a human blood from the alternate universe to develop the serum and so they don't want to send people with flesh down there because they'll just get slaughtered immediately so what do they do they find two robots machine man and jocasta and both of them go in and machine man kicks a lot of ass doesn't drink a lot of beer but talks about beer a lot the stone cold steve austin robot terminator ass kicker yeah what else do you need to know about this it is the army of darkness version of a marvel comic book and to to, to chad's point that's why it was perfect that it crossed over with ash and the evil dead and all that other stuff because this is great this is machine man at his all-time finest you just put him in four issues and let him just kill zombies indiscriminately in a lot of wonderful ways but i'm not here to just gush as i said about how wonderful this book is i wanted my good friends to read this book and give me their genuine thoughts and we're going to start off with one of my favorite comic book pals that is chad smith so chad what did you think of Marvel Zombies 3. So I almost feel bad because I've been there before where I've come to you guys with stuff that I've loved and like, oh, this is so great. This is the best thing ever. And then we we read it or you know talk about it on the show sometimes. You're like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and that's, unfortunately, I've had myself 
uh, a, a crapola kind of week. And so uh, as I'm reading this book, I was not in the, the happiest or cheeriest mindset. And uh, I thought, for listening to you talk about this book for how many years, and I am uh, a Fred Van Lenty fan, I, I, th- there was nothing here that impressed me. I mean, the Greg Land covers, you guys know I'm not a big Greg Land guy. Like, yeah. oh, he's homaging movie covers and all I, that, I don't know, I don't like it. Uh, and then, the, like, the use of the Marvel zombies themselves, like Robert Kirkman in Marvel Zombies 1 and 2, he really had some fun with the characters in the Marvel Universe being zombies and playing with all those zombie tropes. Here, they're just cannon fodder, so I, I didn't like that. Uh, the Machine Man kicks all kinds of butt, and that's fine, but it's better next wave. And, uh, and Joe Costa... Uh, nobody cares about Jocasta, right? Right. So why why do we care about this? I don't know. I I, I genuinely I, I don't mean to poo poo the things that you love because it's this is one of those you know I wasn't in the right space. This one wasn't for me. All right. Well, let's go to somebody that uh, shares kind of a similar mindset to me with Ethan. Ethan, what did you think of this book? So my biggest problem with the book, I, I guess I'll just start out there. Is that is kind of my problem with the MCU in general? Uh, talking about the movies, and we've had this discussion before. This is for the hardest of hardcore Marvel fans, in my opinion, because you're you're featuring the two main characters are uh, to Chad's point, like Joe Costa. I've never heard of Joe Costa in my life, and I've been you know transgently around comic books almost forty years now. So, like, I barely heard of Machine Man. I didn't read Next Wave, unfortunately. I know I should. Uh, Next Wave! Uh, but, like, if I were to just give this to somebody, they would have no idea who any of these people are. Um, I mean, maybe the Kingpin, uh, maybe Black Bolt. What Wasp's relationship with Jocasta is, like, that one was just, like, she just comes out of nowhere and is, like, a bitch to her. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah. To unpack that a little bit, Jocasta is the robot version of Janet Van Dyne, just like Ultron is the robot version of Hank Pym. Ultron wanted a wife, and so she he created Jocasta as his wife, and evidently that didn't fly with Jocasta, and she went and checked up with Machine Man in any case. And there's a disturbing scene, too, just speaking of that, where, like, Vision is being hooked up with all this wires and crap coming out of him, and he's being tortured by his pseudo-wife, the zombie scarlet witch and i'm just like did i need this scene at all like i don't Come understand on, the context was, behind this that um, was hilarious vision sitting there like yeah can i can i get can i get a kiss dear and she's like no not tonight i have a headache i don't know I just, somebody somebody say they liked it these people poo-pooing you know we get to my second point <laughs> but but my second point is machine man rules man like he is awesome like i don't care if i don't know who he is he's cool as hell like he was doing all this cool shit like inspector gadget on crack he just like makes weapons out of nowhere and is blowing crap up and riding the ghost rider wagon and i i I would i dig that man It it was an entertaining read all right ja did you think it was entertaining Yes. I mean, how can you not love the opening scene? You've got these four jobbers that I haven't ever heard of. One guy's made out of living water. <laughs> he found 
called the Conquistador, and another one is like Cyborg, but not as cool probably. And and then he gets bitten, and uh, his human half becomes a zombie. So his robot half says, "Oh, you've been infected, so I'm gonna blow myself up." <laughs> And that's the thing. Like, you're just talking about the first couple of pages. And I, I, again, I don't mean to jump back in and gush as to why I really love this. But, like, I got to talk to Fred Van Lente at a New York Comic Con a couple of years ago. And how about this whole book was, like, a love letter to folks that actually read a lot of, like, Bronze Age comics. Like, Jennifer Kale, she's the Abigail Arcane for Man-Thing. Like, she's, like, the the girl that hangs out with man thing. And so that's, that's where she comes from. And you get Joe Costa, you get Morbius. It's just, it's a love letter to those people, to Ethan's point. If you did pay attention to Marvel and you do understand these characters, they're all these little Easter eggs that like Fred Van Lynch, just peppers throughout all this book and none of it matters. None of it like has any consequence at all. Um, it's just Machine Man, you know, going through and, and just killing zombie after zombie. But it's just the zombie versions that you see. Like, again, the, the zombie version of Kingpin, how he keeps Vanessa alive, feeding her cat food. I can't give away the ending of the book, but it's picture perfect for how, how the, the Kingpin deals with Vanessa in the end. Like, it's dark, but it's hilarious at the same time. And every single moment you think uh, Machine Man's going to fail, he just walking Swiss Army knife. Was there a favorite scene from this particular book you liked? Now, that's a good question. And I want to ask that to Chad by painting one of my favorite scenes, because I know he's a fan of the Black Bolt. Did you like the fact that Black Bolt could now talk because of his dead larynx? Or did you think that was stupid? I was in a cranky mood. Black Bolt doesn't talk. And if he is going to talk, it's got to be for a cooler reason than that. Yeah, 90% of this is going right right over my head. Like, put in my Marvel card because I'm like, I don't know who these people are at all. And you guys are going deeper down the rabbit hole. And I'm like trying to dig out. Um, but no, I think it was when he stole the Ghost Rider thing. I thought that was really cool. You know what this book is? I just to pull it back to our poll earlier. This would be like if your entire bag of Halloween candy was just kids mix. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, all so, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so at what constantly. point in the kids mix would be the mana that the zombies can't eat? There's mana from heaven. Lots of mana from heaven because <laughs> yeah, that's cares? all that zombie Doctor Strange could do. <laughs> That's yeah, right. That's just... it was a one-off joke. There are lots of. Do you not like uh, Lockjaw going after brains? <laughs> I love Lockjaw. Zombie Lockjaw going after brains is fine. It's forgettable. I forgot it as soon as it was done. No, never. Listen, you're obviously in a cranky mood. You didn't read this at the right time. I would challenge you, Chad, to go back and read this when you're in a good mood. Because I guarantee, like, watching any sort of silly... Like, you can't appreciate, for example, Death Race 2000 if you're in a bad mood. Forget it. You're never going to be like, oh, look at them with the hand grenade. You're going to just be like, oh, that's dumb. But if you're in the right mood, the hand grenade is the best. Yeah, they built up to the hand grenade here. There's just all the things all the time. It's too much, too much. Let's go to our commercial break. We'll be right back with ratings for Marvel Zombies 3. Uh, We'll see if anybody can talk me down from the five I'll be giving it. Stay tuned. 
Greetings, ghouls and boils. I'm the Ghoul Master, a loving homage to horror anthology narrators of yesteryear. Wait, I'm an homage? Why didn't anybody tell me? You'll hear from my agent about this. But first, let's get to the heart of the matter. I'm here to tell you about the new horror anthology, Memoirs of the Morbid, on Kickstarter in time for Halloween. Memoirs of the Morbid is a black and white homage to classic horror comics from the 40s and 50s, containing five self-contained stories by some of the best indie comic creators out there. There's that word again. I'd better not find out homage is an insult. Anyways, Memoirs of the Morbid is completely done and ready to go to the printer. So don't make a grave mistake by missing it. more of the last comic shop and it is now time for our rating yes that time of every single show where we hope that we don't give you kids mix we give you something that's a little more substantial it's something like i don't know uh, a one out of four scale maybe and it comes from jay scott so ja uh what is that one out of four scale for marvel zombies three one out of four brains and there some really disturbing parts of this too like jackals making clones so that they can eat the clones because they don't have any and that was really icky <laughs> just say it bluntly are there ever any good clone stories <laughs> the, silver surfer going out like a punk and getting eaten and then yeah that, that wasn't that, that kind of actually no, that actually pissed not me off super surfer no I saw that. you would have thought that he would have like done some cosmic ray thing right, right? he is space jesus <laughs> the part in the beginning that i thought was a really overt sexual thing but it just turns out i was tired <laughs> the cyborg guy uh, who no one cares about uh protector of florida also no one cares about uh gets his, uh, his robot head blows up and then he falls down into the lap of a lady and it looks like uh uh, well, uh, yeah, you can look at it. <laughs> oh, I forgot that. He's not the protector of Florida. He's the protector of Orange County. <laughs> I, I hate to be this guy, but when did this, co- when did this come out? I'm going to guess 2008 or 9-ish. So it's prior to 2020. Is that what we're saying? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, because yeah, it's, it? when I got to issue three, they were talking about like Dr. Morbius's plan of inoculating people and giving them the fake virus. It just kind of hit different in 2023 than it does <laughs> probably when it was written in 2008, just because of what we've been, we've been dealing with basically a zombie apocalypse for the last three years. And thought, when I saw that, I almost stopped reading. So Okay, uh, well, let's let's finish with your grade. So how many brains are you giving it? Uh, I mean, you, it was like a tale of two books for you. Which one wins out? Yeah, and if it's tale of two books, it's got to be a two. Unfortunately, that's where I land on it. Um, like I said, this is for the hardest of hardcore Marvel fans, and that I am not, sir. So, um, But I appreciated the ultra-violence and the kicking ass when it comes to Machine Man. He's an awesome character. I can see why you love him so much, Andrew. But yeah, that's, that's a two for me. All right. And please, please, if you haven't done already, please go get vaccinated. You can find your local vaccination sites online or call your local 211. Yeah, and make sure you get your dogs vaccinated. Some people believe that what? the rabies vaccine's bad. That's ridiculous. Any case, J.A. 
I like this book. It was fun. If if I could ding it anything, I'd just say it was too short. They could have expanded the story a bit by the end when you've got the uh, the Midnight Suns getting together. I'm like, give me that story. And I think you had to wait a couple of years and then they put out another one. So it's almost like not enough. I wanted to go on and read uh, Marvel Zombies 4 because it was too quick. It was only four issues. They had all these great ideas and then they they used some of them. There was a lot of Machine Man doing Machine Man things where he just basically is it's he's like the machine equivalent of Green Lantern. Whatever he thinks up, he can create and then his I don't know where the rockets come from because that's chemicals and and, and then suddenly he's got a plasm gun and then and machine gun. I mean you know, it's comic books, so best not to think too much into it. I laughed. I didn't cry. I just laughed a lot. I laughed and thought, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm going to give it three and a half. Brains, it just could have been a little bit longer. I thought it was uh, almost too rushed. All right. Chad. Okay. As the resident poo-pooer, uh, I, this was fine. It, it's, it was fun. It was candy. I just wasn't in the mood for candy uh, this week. So my apologies to Fred Van Lunty and Kev Walker and all the folks who worked on this one. This one just didn't do it for me. I'm going to go slightly higher out of respect for you, Andy, and how much love you have for this book and the Machine Man ass kickery. I'm going to say 2.25. Well, I appreciate that, Chad. Uh, This is like, again, like a five... And I don't know what it is. Four, five, six brains. I love this book. I really do. Um, it's like a weird, crazy Looney Tunes mixed with horror. The unfortunate thing about Machine Man is he's never really had a long series for a long time. So it's always like these partial sparsed out things. Like he had this great run in the 70s uh, that was done by Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. And then later on, he had Machine Man 2020, which was really great. In the 90s, they made him X-51, and they gave him Sentinel technology. That's actually where he can create all these weapons from, because he's got nanobites like he's a Sentinel. He has Sentinel technology now. Uh, okay, is, is that when he got the toupee? Yes, although he had a toupee when he worked at an insurance company under the Steve Ditko run. But long story short, all of this kind of is building up to Next Wave, where they made him a humorous character, and then this kind of builds off of Next Wave. It takes him one step further into kind of the wacky antics, but also brings back Jocasta, which is like the major love of his life. Uh, And he had some great issues in the late 70s, early 80s, where Jocasta and Machine Man were kind of a thing. And so it's neat to have them interact as old lovers. And I honestly, to Ethan's point, I don't think you really need to know anything. It's good when you do know because you get all these little Easter eggs. But overall, it's just a story about like a reluctant hero that has to go to some alternate universe, kills a bunch of zombies, saves his girl, gets the kiss at the end. It's no different than any other horror-related comedy thing that you should watch at the Halloween season. So five, six, seven, it's a great book. Read it. In any case, some other books that you can read are our recommendations. Yes, this is the time of every single show where we give you other comic books. In case you're like Chad and need something different from Marvel Zombies 3 to wash this out of your palate. And we'll start off with Chad. So, Chad, uh, what is your pick for this week? Okay, so I'm going to go with a writer that kind of reminds me a little bit of Fred Van Lente. 
And the, traditionally, his work is really creative. Uh, he has a really good hold of the voice of his characters and, and has some crazy ideas that he brings to fruition. It's Kyle Starks. And he published a book last year along with uh, Peter Kowalski and Vladimir Popov and Josh Reed called Where Monsters Lie. And the premise is they're all these monsters that uh, when they're not monstering, they go and they live in this town. But then people start killing them and they start, you know, horror ensues. But it's Kyle Starks. It's a little bit crazy. It's it's all kinds of weird. And it's worth your time if you want to scratch that horror itch with a little bit of absurdity mixed in. So where monsters lie. Okay. My recommendation for issue miniseries last year. All right, Jay, what's your pick this week? So I'm sticking with the zombie theme, and I'm recommending Year Zero, uh, Volume 1 by Benjamin Piercy, Ramon Rosanis, out of AWA Studios. It's a classic zombie apocalypse tale that follows a bunch of different people in different situations as they're dealing with the zombie apocalypse. Uh, There's a street kid in in Mexico City, uh, a translator in Afghanistan, a... Japanese samurai assassin and uh, a survivalist in the middle of the United States and sort of how they deal with the zombie apocalypse and going through. And uh, it's just fun, good zombie movie type stuff. So if you like zombies and you like zombie apocalypse stories, this one's for you. I recommend starting off with volume one. And and if you enjoy zombie apocalypse, that's, uh, that's the one for you. All right. Ethan, what do you have on your recommendation pile this week? Well, sometimes we get a little bit liberal with uh, the recommendation read pile where we talk about other media. And I wanted to speak on that for a little bit. I was going to recommend, you know, a comic book, but I don't have time to read anymore because I've been obsessed with a certain video game that I wanted to recommend. Cyberpunk 2077. Been much maligned in the media for the past three years, uh, but they finally fixed it uh, so that it's actually a playable game. and It's fantastic. Um, It's one of my been one of my favorite games if you want a machine that's actually kicking some ass too cyberpunk's the game for you um it's a game based on character v gets this terrorist from back in the day that's trying to take over his brain so he's actually dying the whole time uh dystopian future um where the earth has gone to shit by corporations um so it it's a great game the the new expansions come out phantom liberty which i also recommend they added a lot of different functions and stuff to the game so yeah i mean like i said your comic book store has been selling you know tabletop rpg too uh for cyberpunk as well uh, because that's where it originally started um but yeah you'd probably find that the game is probably pretty cheap at this point because everybody crapped on it for years and years and it got down to like where it was selling at GameStop for like $3. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the backlash when that came out. It was like it was broken out of the box. Yes. They rectified it? Yes. And if you're actually playing on like a decent, like an Xbox Series X, PS5, or a higher-end PC, with PC you get all the mods too. They fix it up, and it's you know you still get the glitches every once in a while, but nothing game breaking. So, it's uh, it's highly recommended for me, and it's very similar to the Marvel Zombies, where if you want a cybernetic being kicking some ass, get Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. 
There you go. And to bring it back to comic books to close out our recommendations this week, this is a a single issue that I discovered in a wonderful uh, collection of Batman stories. Um, As I was paging through the, the copy that I had purchased, I came across Detective Comics issue 442, Death Flies the Haunted Skies. And it is a classic banger of a Batman story where you get a solo Batman trying to figure out who's been murdering all these folks using one of those old World War One barnstorming biplanes. And uh, it's all painted white and it looks all ghostly and everything like that. The best thing about the entire story is all the art was done by the late, great Alex Toth, uh, who um, Chad and I are huge, huge fans of. And um, there is a fantastic sequence right within the first two pages where Batman is falling off of this biplane and has to save himself by doing these midair flips into like one of those water barrels like that used to sit on the top of buildings. And just the art and the animation of Batman trying to um, get himself in the correct position so he won't kill himself going through roof of this building it's just immaculate cartooning done by alex toth again it's just one issue it's like a columbo story they give you a bunch of characters and you have to figure out which one's the one that and why he was the evil guy i don't i don't know but it's great i loved it and it's got a great title to it death flies the haunted skies pick it up either in single issue if you can find it or better yet in that uh Batman, a celebration of 75 years. In any case, the celebration that we hope that you have every single week is listening to another episode of The Last Comic Shop. Again, we're going to have the uh, final four for our candy Halloween tournament later this week out on our Twitter or X or whatever, and you can vote on which one of our final four you thought was the best. But you can also rate, review, and subscribe over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com where you can find all of these past episodes we did with similar tournaments, like just this year. Um, Right now, the front runner for our number one downloaded show of this year is actually our Savage Sword of Conan show, which contains March Cladness, our uh, tournament all about who was the best barbarian in pop culture. So go back and listen to that one. Oh, I'm surprised because... I thought it would have been famed Conan writer Roy Thomas in our interview with him. Which That's right. Popular show. That is another popular pick. That had the uh, record for the number one first day download. Both of those shows, really great shows that you can listen to over at our website. There you go. And while we may be the last comic shop podcast we hope you need, we don't want to be the last comic shop. So we always recommend you guys go out there, find a shop near you, that comic shop locator, www.comicshoplocator.com, where you could find things like the books we read today and recommended, which include Marvel Zombies 3 or Where the Monsters Lie by Kyle Starks and Company. Or maybe you want to check out Year Zero courtesy of AWA. Maybe you want to go with Detective Comics, find some classic Alex Toth uh, stories, which could also be found in Batman, a celebration of 75 years. And maybe you want to go next door to your comic shop, find that video game store, and check out Cyberpunk 2077, which Ethan tells us is fixed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, take my word for it, please. That's good. That's a great game. 
There you go. And so you can also circle back to our website where you can find links to the social media and everything else. It's www.lastcomicshoppodcast. Uh, and what else can they find there, J.A.? Oh, we've got our merch store. Get get a tote bag. You can use it for trick-or-treating. Get all that good and plenty thrown into your bag. <laughs> Who's giving out good and plenty? The house that you want to avoid. Yes, they're the ones with the Necco wafers, Go the Juju that. fruits. The juju, juju, oh. juju. You think Starburst stick to your teeth. Those caramel apple uh, lollipops, the ones in the green wrapper, ah. are god-awful. But one thing that is great is actually our last comic shop Halloween shirt, right, J.A.? You can get that at Yes. So if you want uh, a spooky last comic shop podcast t-shirt, get the Halloween version. It's got bats in the belfry and looks good on you. Orange. Or, like you said earlier, on a tote bag. Remember, yeah. you've got options. You want mouse pads? You want tote bags? You want whatever. You want that cup of coffee to dip your uh, Snickers bar in. Yeah, right. You get it in your last comic shop mug. That's true. You get the pumpkin spice. I wonder if the pumpkin spice would taste good with the Kit Kat. I don't know. Is that too many flavors? Any it's case. the Snickers that concerns me. I can see the Kit Kat. Look, boxes, bags, boards, get them all at bcwsupplies.com. Use our promo code LCSPOD at checkout to save yourself 10% off of your order. Again, that's bcwsupplies.com. Promo code LCSPOD. And Andrew said it before. Download our show. Subscribe and smash that five-star review. Come on, man. We need the we need the good juju, not the not the juju fruit. You know, we gotta pump this stuff up. We're making moves, man. We got our most downloaded show, the the March Cladness. We got our most first day downloads for the Roy Thomas show. And we're just keep going up from here, man. So you want to get on the trolley. You want to keep downloading our shows. You want to keep subscribing every single week because you're going to get great content like the trick or treat extravaganza. I am going to try the coffee and the Snickers, man. I, I know I'm razzing you a little bit, but it. it it's I'm intrigued. <laughs> I am intrigued. I, I would be afraid that the, the the outside of the Snickers, I mean, the, the Kit Kat, you bite the Kit Kat, and then you got the wafer to absorb the coffee, right? What's absorbing the coffee in the Snickers? The nougats. Peanuts don't absorb. There's no yeah. absorbing property in a peanut. <laughs> nougat absorbs. Come does on. Nougat, I don't know. Does, does nougat absorb? Is that like the dude abides? <laughs> nougat the absorbs. nougat absorbs. Any case, that's all the time we have for Last Comic Shop this week. Make sure that you tune in next week for more Halloween goodness. Until then, I was the most, most Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and Ethan Larson. And we hope that you stay safe. Stay sweet. Nougating. Yeah, what's a nougat? Yeah, what is nougat? Where does it come from? Exactly. I, that's why I don't like Three Musketeers bars, because they're just all nougat. And I don't, I don't trust that. Except in Europe, where they're all Milky Way. <laughs> is nougat the same thing as marzipan? No, no, that's just gross. <laughs> <laughs>
2023 Black Anders Production.